Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everyone, to Game Week. Yes, I said Game Week, finally. We never thought we'd get to this point, it seemed. But Alabama and the, the Missouri Tigers will be kicking off the SEC season for each of them, and that's what it is this year. Only conference games starting on Saturday at 6 p.m. Uh, at uh, Faro Field in Columbia, Missouri. Alabama's first trip since uh, that monsoon in 2012 when we saw Eddie Lacy score from 73 yards out on the first play of the game. Uh, T.J. Yeldon had a big game. Alabama winning easily in Columbia but now they're going to be facing Elijah Drinkwitz, uh, you know, a new coach in his first year coming off of a 13-1 season at Appalachian State. But now this is the big time in the SEC, and it's going to be an interesting ball game. Alabama favored by four touchdowns, I think 26 points the last time uh, I checked this morning. So uh, Alabama a heavy favorite, uh, but it's going to be interesting traveling to Missouri. And uh, William, uh, I, I'm bringing in William Barger, of course, William Redfish Barger from 89 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide, a national champion, someone that uh, still is, uh, keeps his ear to the ground, is close to the program. And then, of course, Thomas Watts, the wizard. And first of all, we're very thankful that Thomas's, uh, you know, home is OK, the same way with his family, his mother and father in Mobile. They, 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 you know, the, the Port City took a big hit uh, from Hurricane Sally, but they are recovering. Glad that we're here right now. Thomas has power. And we're up and rolling, and we're happy to, to be here with you tonight. But, William, I was going to mention this. This kind of reminds me of an opener when you played. Because uh, back in those days, as you know, there was no Internet. Uh, the, you know, there was no Twitter. There was no social media, really, really no Facebook. So the only way you could hear about a team was if you were fortunate enough to be able to get into a practice. But most of the time, it's just reading the newspaper and listening to buzz that you heard. Uh, so, this opener is going to kind of harken me back to some of those days since we saw no spring practice, no A-Day, and, of course, they kept the scrimmages locked down. Now, we heard buzz coming from those scrimmages, but it kind of reminds me of those those days from long ago. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember, Drew. <coughs> um, I want to say – and I, I can't remember what the damn construction project was. But if I'm not mistaken, I think going into the 1991 season, which the season opener would have been Temple, mm-hmm. That's um, right. we basically held our A-Day scrimmage on, on the practice field. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't I remember that. why. I don't know what was going on huh. um, at Bryant-Denny for, for, you know, I just can't remember. I didn't really pay attention back then like I do now. But, yeah, you can go on, you can go on YouTube. And, and pull up the 1991 A-Day game, and it's right there, uh, you know, on the, the practice field. Um, you know, Jacks wasn't there yet, but the train tracks were still there, and, and that's where the 1991 A-Day game was played. Wow, that's that's really harkening back. It's ironic, William, because uh, a few weeks ago, I went back and watched the highlights of that 91 opener against Temple and Legion Field, and, of course, that was the debut of David Palmer and that great recruiting class. Uh, Chris Anderson set a, a record that still stands, 96-yard touchdown run. 
later in that game. But uh, it was a workmanlike performance. Danny Woodson had a long touchdown run, uh, and uh, Alabama won impressively. But, uh, you know, there was a lot of anticipation that year because of that recruiting class. Everybody wanted to see uh, some of the members of that group that, you know, finished in the top two to three in the country, if I remember correctly. It was an extremely highly rated group. A lot of it centered on kids from the, your state in the state of Alabama here within a, in the Yellowhammer State. And uh, but this year, uh, it, it coinciding with this Alabama football team, we've heard a lot of things. We didn't ever get to see Trey Sanders last year, so this will be a first look at him, even though we expect uh, you know the uh, top two backs to be the seniors, Najee Harris and Brian Robinson. Certainly, I think Trey will get some touches. And we're definitely anxious to see Will Anderson because – uh, you know, Derek Thomas's name has been being brought up with him. I mean, I, I still want to see it. You know, I don't want to get too, you know, uh, you know, hyperbolic here, but we want to see Will Anderson and Drew Sanders and and some of these young uh, young players defensively, and, and Malachi Moore and Brian Branch. So I think uh, I'm I'm, a, I'm as anxious as anyone to see this team play and and to see the returnees like Dylan Moses and LeBron Ray and, and DJ Dale what they can do healthy. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I, it was weird when, when you were talking about it. It's hard to believe that Alabama hasn't been to Missouri in eight years because when you first started mentioning that, I was like, wow, has it been that long? And um, I, I remember, you know, T.J. Yeldon having a monster game the last time they went up there in that monsoon, and I had forgotten about uh, Eddie Lacy's big run. Um, it's hard to believe that it's been eight years, um, you know, since they've been up there. But, uh, you know, kind of a, a unique place to play. Um, I, you know, I, when Thomas rattled off those COVID numbers, um, it kind of made me a little bit nervous because I heard, you know, back in June when the, you know, the SEC COVID talks got cranked up that, that – uh, Missouri and Vanderbilt were wanting to, uh, you know, go the way of the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and kind of opt out and stuff. So that if they're having a COVID outbreak, that makes me a little nervous um, for this thing flying um, on Saturday. But we'll have to wait and see. But, I um, mean, yeah, I know Alabama is very confident. They feel like they've had a great fall camp. Um, you know, we talked about it last Sunday. Um, you know, everybody's, you know, Alabama fans are a little nervous about, um, you know, the offense kind of having their way with the defense. And I don't think that's really an indicator of how good or bad this Alabama defense is. You know, I, I think any, you know, college football defensive coordinator is going to struggle and scratch their head to figure out a way not to stop this 2020 Alabama offense, but to just try and slow it down. Um, you know, when you start talking about, you know, a guy like Trey Sanders, you know, maybe being at best the third running back. I mean, that, that tells you all you need to know with, you know, them having, you know, anywhere between seven and ten guys on the offensive line that they consider starters. Um, you know, the wide receiver groups, you know, very deep and talented as well. So um, it, it's just going to be good, I think. I think a lot of people's anxiety level is going to go down um, by this time next week. If uh, you know the full SEC slate gets played, yeah, no doubt. I mean, we just want to see football be played. Uh, right now, Alabama doesn't have any uh, official opt-outs. Uh, you know, for the uh, for the season, uh, there were some rumors about a couple of guys, 
Keelan Robinson. I have heard he may come back out to practice, but nothing official yet. And then uh, Jalen Armour Davis, I think, had 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 uh, been thinking about uh, opting out seriously, but he was back out at practice because William, uh, you know, uh, Alabama did finally suffer an injury in training camp. It's been reported. Uh, Ronald Williams, the junior college transfer from Hutchinson Community College, was not slated to start, but certainly was competing for playing time in the secondary. He suffered a fractured forearm. Now, don't know how long he's going to be out. That's unknown. I mean, he could even cast up and play. We've seen guys do that. Not, not, not official that he's going to, though. And then I've heard also that Josh Jove, he was in a black jersey, and Marcus Banks is a little banged up. But I don't think either one of those guys are considered serious where they're going to miss the game against Mizzou. We know about the knee injury uh, to Christian Barmore. I think we're expecting him to be back at practice this week uh, and have a chance to at least play situationally for Alabama. So uh, for the most part, especially with what we've seen from 2017 through 19, to only have the injury to Ronald Williams that's a, a pretty significant one is pretty good for Alabama coming out of camp. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's probably one of the few positives about the way they've had to structure fall camp. Um, you know, it kept guys from getting overworked, and, um, you know, when you're tired and, and your body's exhausted, that, that tends to be when, you know, people get injured. And I think the way this thing was structured, especially with putting the start of the season, uh, you know, back until uh, September the 26th, it, you know, it allowed them to do it at a, um, you know, a relaxed pace, and you know they, they you know, there's there's no more really true two a days, or in some cases three a days anymore. So, um, you know that that which, you know, I don't necessarily know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, you know that that's kind of when the mental toughness, um, you know, is developed. But um, it's just a thing of the past. It's not involved anymore. So it is what it is. But even more so this year with the COVID concerns, you know, these guys have had a, you know, a pretty relaxed fall camp where their bodies didn't get stressed too much. And I think that's probably the the biggest reason why if you go, you know, across the country, why there hasn't been a slew of, you know, season ending injuries. Well, and, and then with Missouri, they've only had two guys opt out, which was announced this past week by Dave Matter, who we talked to Dave on Talking Ball. He's from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. He has been a longtime Missouri uh, beat writer. Uh, and the, the two that opted out were wide receiver Maurice Massey uh, and then defensive tackle Chris Daniels. Daniels is a redshirt senior who would, did not record a stat last year, and uh, neither did Massey, who's a redshirt freshman wide receiver, as we said. So neither one of those guys are considered starter-level uh, players that have opted out. Now, it's been reported, as, you, as we mentioned earlier, 12 guys. Uh, you know, uh, with uh, COVID-19 concerns, whether it be having COVID or with contact tracing or out for the Alabama game, not being confirmed if it's any starters and who that personnel may be. So uh, Alabama will kind of be going in there blind. And then Drinkwitz is a Gus Malzahn disciple, so he likes to run the football. They averaged uh, at Appalachian in his one year, you know, uh, you know, 230-plus yards per game on the ground. And then they also threw the football well. They were balanced on offense. They threw for 2,700 yards. And then, uh, you know, they had a tail, their tailback uh, had an outstanding year with nearly 15, you know, 100 yards rushing, uh, you know. And so they, 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 have a, they had a talented group. Darrington Evans had a great year. But 
it's going to be an offense. It's probably going to be balanced. But William, since it's a, one of those things where he's been influenced heavily by Gus Malzahn, Alabama, you know, since they, they, they go up against Auburn every year, and I'm sure they've watched a lot of Appalachian film, they should have a decent idea of what they're going to do offensively. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's, you know, especially now as, as deep into the Gus Malzahn tenure at Auburn as he is, there, there's no secrets or, um, you know, nobody should get caught standing flat-footed anymore with, with what his M.O. is. And, and, you know, the same could be said for, you know, Drinkwitz and Rhett Lashley or whoever the, the Gus Malzahn disciples that you face is. You know, it's going to be up-tempo. There's going to be a lot of trickeration. Um, you know, if you can survive the first quarter, I think you've got a, you know, a fighting chance defensively to, uh, you know, figure it all out and, um, you know, get it drawn up on a grease board. But, um, I, you know, I'm, I just – I had no idea that that's who this guy was um, that, that, you know, Missouri had hired. Um, you know, he had one solid year at Appalachian State and a, you know, I mean, a, a decent college football program like Missouri brings him in with one year at Appalachian State. You know, I guess that's just the where we're at, um, you know, with college football, with, with teams that are, you know, desperate to, uh, you know, try and, and, and get to respectability and, uh, you know, have a decent program. That, that amazes me that that's where we're at right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, no doubt about it. And with uh, with uh, Missouri on defense, that Ryan Walters was retained uh, as the defensive coordinator. He he really retained about three or four assistants on that side of the ball to have some sort of uh, uh, you know continuity. And I mean, and they improved defensively last year. They only gave up 19 points per game. They actually were underrated in how they uh, performed, even though they only went six and six. But uh, you know, Barry Odom was a defensive guy, so that's kind of where they leaned. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep up the momentum. Uh, certainly they've got one of the best linebackers in the SEC coming back, and second in the conference in tackles to Nick Bolton. He's a guy that Pro Football Focus really likes a lot. They consider him a potential first-round pick in 2021. So uh, he he did not opt out. Some people thought he, uh, that he, that he might, but – you know, they, they really only lost – and from the defensive line, they only lost uh, Jordan Elliott. Uh, he's the only major departure. Uh, they got tackle Kobe Whiteside back in their top three ends. Now, they didn't have much of a pass rush, and even though they didn't, uh, they still had – they put up impressive numbers in their secondary, and they've got maybe one of the best duos at safety, you know, coming back, you know, in the SEC, uh, in, in seniors Tyree Gillespie and Joshua Bledsoe, uh, who they combined – uh, for 17 uh, pass breakups, eight tackles for loss. But uh, I still think they're going to have a hard time against this Alabama offense because, it, first of all, like William said at the beginning of our show, Alabama's offensive line should be one of the best in the SEC. I'm anxious to see Landon Dickerson back at center, Emil Echior at right guard, Cornbread Deontay Brown, uh, you know, at left. And then, that's, and then, William, I'm really anxious to see Evan Neal at right tackle because – you know, he, he uh, was one of the best five last year, and he played left guard. But this is a guy who's a natural tackle, and I'm anxious to see him assert himself along with Alex Leatherwood, who should be back from COVID. Yeah, I mean, I you know, Evan Neal is, 
you know, as I sit here and say this, you're not going to find a, a left tackle or a right, a right tackle prospect that's prettier than he is. And I'm sitting here reminding myself that the Latham kid from IMG might be prettier right now. <laughs> but you, you're, you're, you know, you're talking about a guy that's, you know, six foot eight, 300, you know, maybe he's below 350 now. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but, you know, they can jump flat-footed up onto a 38-inch box. You know, that, that's just not supposed to be humanly possible. Um, but I, I'm like you. I'm, I'm looking to see. I'm looking forward to seeing the slim down version. Not, not that Neil was overweight last year, but you know, I, I think you know he's one of the guys that the new strength conditioning staff has had an immediate impact on. I saw a picture of him uh, late July, early August, and I mean, he looked like a power forward in a you know a, 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 a you know, a, a final four basketball program, not a, a right tackle. So I'm really looking forward to see what he can do on the field this year. Well, and another thing I'm really looking forward to, because, and I think it said, it spoke volumes for the impact David Ballou and Dr. Matt Ray had. And, they, and of course, uh, they brought two or three, uh, you know, others with them from Indiana Is that with this revamped strength staff is obviously – they, uh, I was worried about without a spring practice and going home for so long that Ismail Sobcher and, and uh, Deontay Brown would have weight issues coming back. They look as good as I've seen them ever in their Alabama careers in the, in the, in the video, the brief video I've been able to see. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think the other guy that, um, that we haven't talked about outside of Evan Neal, the one that I've seen um, that goes along with your point, um, whose body has really been transformed is Emil Echior. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Know, he, he's, really, he, he's really, you know, slimmed down. And, um, you know, and I think that's where you might see some early returns on, you know, this strength coach slash, you know, speed and performance multi-hire that, that they made, um, you know, with Blue and, and Ray. Um you know, they've had more time with these guys than they would have had um, had there been a spring practice and, you know, a, a more enhanced fall camp. And so you, you might get to see um, some early returns on, on what they've been able to do because they've spent more time with these guys than the on-the-field coaches have. Yeah, we have. And we're going to see the first uh, start of uh, of the season and as, as, as the true QB1 for Mac Jones. I know he was uh, doing some interviews yesterday on the SEC Network, so that tells you all you need to know with where Nick Saban thinks he is. Uh, it's uh, He did a great job last year with giving a chance to prepare. I'm anxious to see how he plays. I still think we'll see Bryce Young. Everybody wants to know about that. Uh, but I, I don't think it'll be a scripted situation. I think they, will, they want Mac to, to play, get comfortable. And if Alabama can put the game away, uh, by halftime, I would expect to see Bryce in the second half, and I think they'll let Bryce run the offense. I mean, when Tua came in, they did—they certainly did that. They let him throw the football. You got to let him get confidence. But I'm anxious to see this, and and also, as you said, the, the talent on this offense with Najee Harris. You know, all the speed work he's been putting in, trying to get quicker as well. See how he looks running the football, and then Brian Robinson, who. I think we'll maybe we'll see the real Brian Robinson this year. I don't think we did a year ago. And then, as you said, Trey Sanders, extremely talented player. So I think we'll see all three of those backs. And I just want to see kind of the ball distribution. I want to see, you know, if Miller Forrestall is part of the attack at tight end, 
You know, do how much of Carl Tucker do we see? Is he going to provide a, a blocking presence on the edge? And then these wide receivers. We certainly know Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle will be featured. Waddle wasn't targeted as much early last year than later in the season he was. I'm anxious to see how many touches they, they kind of script in to get him the football, especially early, William. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, the tight end position, I think, is probably the most intriguing one for me on the offensive side of the football because, like you just said, I mean, you know, is Carl Tucker going to be the, um, you know, the run blocker? Is he going to be a three-down guy? You know, what's four-star's role going to be? Um, you know, we haven't talked about Jamil Billingsley. I, I think he might be the best athlete of that bunch. Um, and, and, you know, you've got, you know, the offense that, that at least on paper it appears they're going to try and run the ball or establish the run a little bit more than they did early last season. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think, you know, at least in my mind, um, when you look at when Mac Jones took over as the starter last year, um, you know, there, there was a big difference in him coming in cold off the bench in Startable. And then everybody wants to focus on the pick sixes at Auburn, but look what he did after that in that game. And then look what he did in Michigan. And I think that's the quarterback that we're going to see versus Missouri. Yeah, I'm really uh, excited to see what Mac can do being featured in this offense. And, of course, we all want to see Bryce Young. I think he's a special talent, but I think this is Mac Jones' time. Want to see, you know, uh, this offense perform against uh, Nick Bolton and this Mizzou defense, which is probably a little underrated, but I still think for the most part is probably going to be overmatched uh, when it comes uh, to this game in Columbia, Missouri at 6 o'clock p.m. on ESPN. And then it comes the pressure point to me. The Alabama defense, Pete Golding is, the, uh, is to me, the guy that's uh, where it all comes down to. There's no excuses now. They should have plenty of talent. they got some experience. They're healthier. Uh, they've got a staff that's been together. You know, Sam's Freddie Roach. Freddie, now the new defensive line coach. But uh, this defense, and, and you're going up against an offense, you know, you haven't really seen. It's a different scheme. Sean Robinson's going to be the quarterback almost assuredly. He's a transfer from TCU. He's a dual-threat guy. But Alabama's seen enough of these dual threats now. I'm not uh, really worried about that. I just want to see them tackle well and be physical, William. I'm not expecting to shut Missouri out. But, uh, you know, I'm still going to – I'll give my prediction at the end of this podcast. But I'm expecting a pretty good uh, performance by this Alabama defense. I'm expecting them to look better and more cohesive and really watch to see if the communication issues are being solved. Yeah, I mean, you just took the uh, the words right out of my mouth. I mean, you know, the, the, the communication is what has to improve, and that's the, um, you know, that comes from the coaches and the players on the field. Um, that That's what was lacking last year is, is, you know, if you looked out there before, you know, two seconds before the ball was snapped where, you know, guys were throwing their hands up in the air. You know, I can't repeat probably what they were saying, but you, you could tell there was confusion and, and nobody really knew what was going on. And that's where I want to see the, the, the largest area of growth is, um, for, you know, for them to be on the same page and to know what's going on. You know, if the call's made, you know, if they change the call, everybody needs to know what they need to do. But like we talked about, 
last week, I think having a healthy LeBron Ray, a healthy Dylan Moses, and a healthy DJ Dell, and you'll have to wait and see what uh, Christian Barmore's status is. I mean, those four guys right there can make that defense better in a hurry. Yeah, they can. They really, and I want to see, you know, uh, the D-line, as I said, that first group excites me, but I want to see the second group as well. And right now I'm, I'm expecting Justin Aboigby, DJ Dale, and LeBron Ray to be the first three. But when you got Christian Barmore, a talent like that, uh, that could be coming in to rush the passer with the second group. You've got Ismail Sopcher. Uh, you've got Fedarian Mathis. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, Byron Young. You've got some young defensive linemen, even a Braylon Ingraham and, and Ismail Sopcher. So, You've got a lot of young talent on that defensive front. I'm anxious to see the rotations, how many guys Freddie Roach gets in there early. Uh, and then this linebacker core, I mean, I know I, I expect big things out of Christian Harris and and, uh, and and Dylan Moses. I picked Christian Harris to lead this team in tackles. I'm very excited about his potential, and I think Dylan can be outstanding. But we also have to understand he's coming off of a serious injury, and it's his first time playing Mike linebacker. But I still think, you can expect him to be really good. And then the outside backers, we, I think Ben Davis and, uh, and Chris Allen are going to start. But I, Will Anderson and Drew Sanders, I think, will be, get in there early. And I'm anxious to see, well, you know, if Alabama can rush the passer a little bit better, get a better organic rush where they don't have to blitz. And then the, the DBs, uh, you know, can, can kind of stay home. Because the best, uh, you know, formula for an inexperienced secondary is a pass rush. So, and, uh, of course, Sean Robinson can run, but hopefully Alabama can get after him and take him out of rhythm and maybe enforce a turnover or two early because I think we understand Jordan Battle is going to be leading the, the safeties back there and then Patrick Sertain at corner. But, you know, uh, how banged up is Job? How banged up is Marcus Banks? That should be your second and third corners. I think they're going to be able to play unless we hear something different coming out of this week of practice. And then Daniel Wright, DeMarco Helms look to be your second and third safeties. I'm anxious to see how they match up because this Missouri wide receiver group is uh, basically uh, inexperienced, didn't have a lot of production coming back. So uh, it should be uh, kind of – since both these units are, in, are inexperienced, they'll can't cancel each other out. But I certainly like Alabama's talent level. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that's probably – you know, the only unknown, I guess, on the, the defensive side of the football is, you know, what is that rotation going to look like on the back end with the DBs? Um, you know, when you start talking about all the guys that are wearing black jerseys right now, they might be wearing them, you know, today, but let's see if they're wearing them on Thursday. Um, you know, this is going to be, a, a, I think, a, a good opener for Alabama. You know, they're going to have a dual-threat quarterback to deal with, which – they're going to see over and over again throughout the course of the 2020 season. So, um, you know, I, for Alabama at least, I like the way the reconfiguration of the FCC schedule has worked out. Um, you know, here you, here you go. I mean, you're going to get a, a blueprint basically of what you're going to see in the last game of the season versus Gus Malzahn. Um, you know, in the first game of the 2020 season with Missouri. So, um, like you, I, you know, I don't have a lot of concerns in this game. I mean, the number that Vegas has put on it, you know, tells me all I need to know. 
Um, you know, I think this Alabama offense um, can score a lot of points and, and hold the ball and, and grind the clock down if they need to, or they can ex- they can score explosively if they need to as well. Um, I'm just kind of curious to see how it all plays out next Saturday. Yeah, I am too. I'm anxious to see, you know, what happens. Uh, you know, I, I, I expect Alabama to run the football first and foremost. Uh, you know, I think Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, both of them coming back, uh, you know, and Brian, of course, could have graduate transfer, but I really think overall uh, Saban wanted him to come back. And I think with this offensive line, I expect Alabama to, to test that Missouri front early and then, of course, play action and get Mac Jones some confidence. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm leaning to Alabama winning this game very impressively. But I expect Alabama to run the football, throw vertically. Uh, you know, I think we'll see uh, a lot of the same things and concepts we saw in the game against Michigan. And, of course, Alabama early uh, went right after Michigan and, uh, you know, and uh, threw the ball vertically down the field, got Jerry Judy off. And he had the best game of his career at the University of Alabama. So, you know, uh, I think that Alabama will try to get some favorable matchups with that Missouri secondary and try to take advantage of it. But I still think we'll see a heavy dose of Najee Harris. I wouldn't be surprised, William, if we see 30 to 35 runs out of Alabama, maybe 30 throws. I think it's going to be a balanced attack. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on how you expect Alabama to attack Mizzou? Yeah, I, I agree with what you just said. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see a you know a thirty-five to thirty um, mix-up. I mean, I, I think that you know the coaching staff has been pretty forthcoming with you know their desire to you know reestablish that you know ground and pound attack and you know take shots when they're there and you know a six-yard gain on first and ten. Uh, you know, makes the second and four deep shot a lot more tolerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I think that's what you're going to see out of Steve Sarkeesian this year. I think he's got a lot of weapons at his disposal. Um, I think that that offensive line can keep, you know, Mac Jones or Bryce Young uh, upright and in the pocket um, to, to find those guys that get open. And, you know, I'm looking – you know, I wish we could hit the fast four. I hate to take – uh, five days off of our life, but you know, I, I would love to hit the fast forward button. And, uh, you know, I, I wish right now was six Oh eight, uh, next Saturday versus being Sunday night the week before. Yeah. I think everybody's anxious to see this game and then defensively, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm hoping to see some pressure disruption, maybe force two or three turnovers, uh, from Alabama, I, I'm not expecting him to shut Missouri out uh, per, per se, uh, but I think I, I, I'm expecting a very, very solid performance and something that you can build on going into a big game against Texas A&M. Uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about the Aggies more next week. I mean, uh, they had another opt out. I believe Anthony Hines, one of their starting linebackers, opted out today. So uh, the, the Aggies are uh, not probably not going to quite have as good a team as we thought. Uh, coming into Tuscaloosa, but still very talented, and it's going to be a test for the University of Alabama, no doubt about it. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm anxious to see the uh, the secondary for Alabama to see if they can cover and tackle and be more physical and, and just be sound fundamentally uh, and be in position. If they do that, I think they've got a chance uh, to dominate this game, no question. And then special teams wise, 
I mean, I think we understand that Thomas Fletcher's in his fourth year starting. The snapping situation should be fine. Uh, just, I, you know, I, I hope in a way that Will Riker doesn't have to do too much. Uh, that you know that Alabama, he's mostly kicking extra points. But if we see him have to attempt the field goal, hopefully he can get off to a good start because he was certainly really good in both scrimmages. Uh, without uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know. He, hitting a couple of 50-plus yarders in scrimmage one and then going four or five with his only miss from 55 in scrimmage two. So hopefully he can get off to a positive start as well. And then we'll see who they trot out there at punter. Is it going to be Ty P. Ryan? Probably. But, you know, Sam Johnson or even Charlie Scott, depending on who has the best week of practice, that's what it may come down to. So we'll see. And then will Missouri kick the Jalen Waddle? I sure as hell wouldn't. But, uh, William, I, cer- I certainly hope they take their chances. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, as a special teams coach, I don't know how you digest that and draw it up. Um, you know, do you tell the punter to shank it out of bounds uh, <laughs> uh, to keep it away from him? Because um, if if you keep it in the field of play, um, I could see Jalen scooping it up and make something happen. Um, you know, do they try and keep it honest and kick it to him? I, you know, I don't know. Um, but – Proceed at your own caution um, would be my advice because if you give it to him two or three times during the course of a, of a Saturday, he's going to make something happen at least once. Yes, he really will, no doubt about it. And uh, he, I hope we get a chance to see him showcase his talent. Uh, but, you know, and, and then uh, I also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to, I, I want to see this Alabama, you know, offense. Uh, as we said, uh, play hopefully mistake-free football. I want, I'd like to see Mac Jones, uh, you know, as we said, get a chance to attempt 20, 25 passes. Uh, but I wanted to bring Thomas Watts into the conversation and get some of his thoughts on this matchup. He's the analytics guy and the numbers guy. But, uh, Thomas, what are you hoping to see out of this opener for Alabama? Sure, Drew. So, so let's start offense first, and I'll talk about defense. And let me put this under the, the, the overarching heading of what to look at when you're going to replace your favorite frosty beverage at halftime and <laughs> what you'll talk about to your buddies around the either real or virtual water cooler either Saturday night or Monday morning. And it comes down to, to rates. On offense, it's really success rates. The difference... Here's the problem comparing last year's offense to this year's. Not just is it different personnel, but particularly it's how unbelievably good Tua Tungavailoa was on third down. Yeah, he covered up a lot of stuff. That's a great point. (laughs) And and Mac Jones, in an obvious passing situation, very small sample size, so it's not like we we can stamp this in blood somewhere. Very small sample size did not was not able to do that as well. If the if he didn't have that balance, he really struggled nine times out of ten. That doesn't mean that he's going to fail to convert every third down. It just means that statistically, Mac Jones was not Tua, particularly on third down. Well, your smart fan will say, okay, well, how do we fix that? And the answer to that question is success on first and second down. And William alluded to this a little bit, but, you know, a four-yard run on first down and a four-yard run on second down means third and two. You can 
can, you can pick up two yards a lot of ways in any offense. That's the kind of stuff that allows Alabama's offense to continue to succeed. So specifically what I'm looking for is success rates on first and second down. And when I say success rates, you're picking up half each time pretty much. So five yards first down, even though that's a little much, five yards first down, uh, and then on down the number of yards to gain until third down where you have a conversion. So if we roll up here, you know, it's 9 p.m. Saturday evening, halfway through the third quarter, and Alabama's converting, let's call it 60% of their third downs, I'll be over the moon happy because that means that Alabama has been able to stay on schedule and stay balanced. The other thing I'm looking for on offense, this is more your, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, your Monday water cooler talk, is play selection. Uh, Drew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stick some salt in this wound, but if you <laughs> look at the Falcons' play selection against the Cowboys oh. on offense, that was the type of balanced attack that I want to see from Alabama. It was very balanced run pass. Uh, Alabama could probably lean a little more on the run game because, frankly, the you know, Missouri, only in their dreams do they have the Dallas Cowboys front seven. So I'm looking for that on offense. Now, we flip it over to defense, and I'm a little concerned about the first half of this game because Missouri's going to want to play speedball, and – there are a lot of new moving parts for this defense. And quite frankly, I don't have a very – I don't have a reservoir of faith when it comes to Pete Golding's in-game being able to coordinate a defense that has to adjust on the fly in a speedball situation. So I'm a little nervous about this one from a defensive, uh, defensive perspective. But ironically, what Alabama – what leads to Alabama's success, their success rates on first, second, and third down, or you know, even just first and second down, you can flip that over and say, what is Alabama's pressure rate, particularly on third downs? Because you know, if I stump much more for organic pressure, I'm going to have that tattooed on my eyelids. I, I say it so many times on this show. But you know, how does Alabama generate pressure? I don't care if they don't sack the quarterback. How do they pressure the quarterback? Uh, how many throws are contested? How many, th you know, that, that's the sort of statistical snarl that you can get into. But if you're looking at the mathematics of Alabama, particularly on defense, to me, it's pressure rate and how many third and longs you force Missouri into. And finally, Missouri's going to want to throw the ball. And with the rules being what they are, you can have really good coverage, and it doesn't matter. A perfect pass defeats perfect coverage almost every time. But I'm not going to be mad if Patrick Sertain gets burned because the Missouri quarterback, whoever that may be, throws a perfect pass. You know, if he throws a perfect back shoulder and Sertain's in the best spot he can be, I'm not mad about it. You, you got this one, move on to the next one. So it's really coming down to me for success rates. So what I'll talk about a lot next Sunday is what kind of success rates does the Alabama offense have and what sort of slowdown or what sort of positioning does the Alabama defense have? And uh, just a screen, you know, a kind of a look ahead, you will hear me get mad if it's another Alabama defense gives up 
50 or 55% on third down, even in garbage time. I'm, I'm not on the, the, um, the wavelength, excuse me, that says that this game should be close. I know Las Vegas has it 26, and I would, I would kind of push that just because Alabama is so much more talented than this Missouri team. And it's a Missouri team that's changing offensive schemes to a kind of weird smoke and mirrors thing. And the problem with smoke and mirrors is if it doesn't work, it's a quick three and out and suddenly your defense is on the field and et cetera, et cetera. So for me, just personally, I think it's going to be a case where Alabama should win and win handily. And if they don't, I'm going to be really, really frustrated come next weekend's uh, uh, recording, next po- next weekend's podcast. But I'll be able to say specifically, you know, I said I wanted to see XYZ success rate, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say where Alabama failed, and then hopefully our listeners will appreciate that I'll be able to say they failed here because they didn't get good pressure. Is it time to bring up Will Anderson? Or, you know, pick your, pick your reason du jour. Uh, obviously, we are still sort of throwing stuff against a wall to see what sticks because nobody, Alabama hasn't taken the field yet. But And I want to go way back to the beginning of the show because I wanted to say this, but I didn't want to interrupt the flow of conversation. Having just gone through a hurricane and having seen the coronavirus pandemic and, having se- and seeing a hyper-polarized hyper-polar- political system do its hyper-polarized political system thing, I'm most excited about – even in the smallest, most mundane way, a return to normalcy for football fans. I think that's both appreciated and necessary, and I'm really looking forward to being able to have the statistical discussions next week on BAM's Radio, Drew. Well, and I got to tell you this, hopefully it won't come down to having to cover an onside kick, but sure, they can do a better job than the damn Falcons did. That was the biggest abomination I've ever seen in my life, and Dan Quinn should be fired in the locker room or before he ever got back on the plane. That was one of the biggest chokes I've ever seen in my life just to, to have my Falcons ran on this show, and it's over. But it's tough to be a Falcons fan, I can tell you that. But, uh, but hopefully, I mean, well, Thomas, before, you, uh, before I, I let you go and we, William and I wrap this up, what is your prediction? I'll let you go on the record first as far as the score. Oh, gosh. Honestly, I think Alabama is going to blow Missouri away. I don't think there's going to be any drop-off from Bryce Young. I think, frankly, I think our next show is going to start the Bryce Young versus Mac Jones fight, and that's going to have me pulling my hair out and slamming my head (laughs) in my desk. I think Alabama's 52-13 every day. Oh, wow. That's a a big-time pick there. And William, I'm going to bring you back into the conversation. I know we've been talking about what we hope to see and – uh, on both sides of the ball, we talked a little special teams. Uh, you talked about the big number in Vegas. I think it's 26 points. What is your pick on this football game score-wise? 42 to 10. 42 to 10. William Barger goes on the record. I'm really close to William here. We're on the very same wavelength. I've been thinking 45 to 10. I think Reichert will be able to get some confidence. I think they'll have to settle for a field goal at some point, and he'll be able to kick it down the middle. But – I think Alabama's going to win 45-10. to 10. They're going to play both quarterbacks. You'll see Mac Jones for the majority of the game into the third quarter. Then you'll see Bryce Young. And if Bryce can lead this team to some points, wouldn't be surprised if he does. Like Thomas said, you could, though, you'll be, have people 
you know, clamoring to see more of him. But I think Alabama is going to be impressive. I agree with Thomas. There's much more talent on the Alabama side than Missouri, and you got a first-year coach. Of course, the first-year coach could do some things on film that Alabama hasn't seen, but I'm expecting Alabama to adjust well. The last time we saw the staff in the Citrus Bowl, they actually did do that. Michigan had a lot of success running the ball in the first half and moving the football, but the second half with Raekwon Davis on the nose, they did not. Alabama shut them down, and then the fourth quarter, we saw the Najee Harris show where Alabama just ran the football and took control of it. And so I, I think Alabama is going to be able to really uh, dictate the tempo in this game and dictate the uh, how this is played. I think they've got the advantage on both lines of scrimmage, and that's where it really uh, – that's where you still win and lose football games. But, again, I like Alabama 45-10, to 10, and I think they're going to get off to a 1-0 start, and, and they'll be on ESPN at 6 p.m. live from Perot Field. And this is going to be an emotional opener because we and many people thought we'd never get to this point and be able to see this team play. And, you still almost have to take it on a week-to-week, hour-to-hour basis because of COVID-19 is still a huge factor. But we just hope that we can see this season come off and that Alabama can get off to a resounding 1-0 start as they are ranked you know, uh, number two in the country behind the Clemson Tigers. Uh, and, of course, uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes, now uh, they're going to take the field with the Big Ten uh, as the JVs decide to come off the sidelines. But at least we're going to have Ohio State in the conversation as well. And those three teams are going to be heavily, heavily favored uh, to reach the college football playoff, I have no doubts. But we're looking forward to getting the season kicked off, and we're looking forward to bringing you BAMS Radio each and every week during the season. And when it warrants, we'll talk some recruiting. Right now, recruiting uh, kind of on the back burner for Alabama. They're still, of course, uh, working the phones and connecting with kids, but no commitments seem to be on the horizon right now. That could change in the month of October with some decisions coming up. But, uh, you know, we, we may not see the final, you know, several pieces, five pieces or so of this puzzle until later on. But Alabama with the number one recruiting class in the country and now trying to chase national championship number 18. But for my uh, co-host, uh, Thomas Watts and William Redfish Barger, I want to thank everyone for listening to this podcast edition of BAMS Radio as we break down uh, the, uh, the, number, the first matchup of the season at Faro Field in Columbia, Missouri. We all think the tide's going to roll big, and hopefully we'll be breaking it down for you next Sunday, a big tide win, and then looking ahead to that huge test in the home opener against Texas A&M on CBS for week two. But for William Redfish Barger and for Thomas the Wizard Watts, I'm Drudy Armand, and thank you for listening to BAMS Radio tonight. Good night and roll tide. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.